2: hello this is a uk film review podcast my name is brian penn this edition celebrates the achievements of the brilliant jodie foster and it's also the 20th anniversary of the panic room being released how crazy is that and to discuss this vital subject i have with me my fellow film reviewers rachel
3: what's up
2: and jason hello
4: good to be here
2: Good stuff. Right, okay then. So Jodie Foster, what gives her such longevity? What makes her such an outstanding performer? Rachel, what do you think?
3: I mean, I don't know. I had like so many thoughts, but I was thinking about this today at work just to pass the mundanity of my working day time. As you do, as (laughs) As you do. I was like, work is trash. Let's think about Jodie Foster. And I I was thinking about, obviously she's been doing this game for a long time. She started real young. And like the thing that came to my head with Jodie Foster is like, this is going to sound really odd, but she's low key. She's mm. not like a celebrity. I'm air quoting. You can't see, but I'm air quoting. She's okay. not like, yeah, she's not like a celebrity in the sense that we regard celebrities in in this day and age. She's not in the tabloids. She's not like, you know, like making, you know, drunk nights out and all those things. She's kind of oh. like the female version of Keanu Reeves. She's stayed under the mm. radar. She's not had controversy. And then aside from that, she seems like she's very sort of homegrown. And I think that people can relate to that. She's not Mm. flashy. She's not like in the Versace and all that other kind of, you know, jazz that we see so much with celebrities nowadays. She is just sort of like, she's sort of like a mum driving an SUV, picking her kids up (laughs) from soccer. Do you know what I mean? Like Jodie Foster can blend in with the crowd. And I think that that as a, as a person, as like a, and as well as a character, because she's always played very sort of like not very flashy characters in her Mm. movies, she's had this longevity. She's had the the, the ability to be able to sort of like mold herself into so many different images because she is so low key. Again, like Keanu Reeves, just an average guy, not very flashy. And then he can become like, he can play like films like in The Devil's Advocate and then he can be in like Mm. The Matrix and stuff like that. And he's malleable, if you will.
2: Yeah. No, I think malleable is a very good word. I like that. Um, I think you're right. I think you're right, Rachel, insofar that um, she is low key, she doesn't call publicity. She's not part of the Hollywood glitterati as such. And I think that makes her, that brings her closer to the people, I think. And that is always a big help, but you're you're certainly right about, um, her always being around. I mean, she made her first TV appearance when she was seven years old. She appeared in the Doris Doris Day show in 1969. And between that and her breakthrough film, which was Taxi Driver, Mm. um, she was a regular on on in TV movies in, in TV shows. She was in Bonanza and Gunsmoke and Ironside, which were all huge TV shows at the time. So when she made it big in big in films, she was already a veteran. So I think that's something to, something to bear in mind. Jason, what do you think?
4: Well, Georgie Foster, you know, as you said, she's been acting almost her entire life, and she's a terrific a- actress. She's gained many awards and. I think she's very good at drama. I think she's very good at portraying ca- characters who are fighters or who yeah. who, be- who are forced mm. to become fighters due to circumstances, yeah. such yeah. as, you know, the brave one, yeah. the accused, or flight plan, panic yeah. room. I yeah. think that's her specialty.
2: Yeah, I think that's a very good point, Jason. I think she's very good at playing characters under pressure. I, th- I think that's... Really, part of her forte, really, and it makes her even more believable. I think she certainly doesn't take the easy way out. I think she will, she will pick roles that challenge her, and that maybe roles are, are, are controversial as well, or that at least they were at the time. I think. Okay, then. So let's come on to some of our favourite um, Jodie Foster films. Rachel, uh, Are let's doing have this you. We do in
3: order. Like, do I have to give an order, or do I just go? No, ahead? no, 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 no. <laughs>
2: whatever they come out, whatever you want to mention first is fine. Um, so. You know, what's your first film then, Rachel? I was
3: going to say, obviously my favourite Jodie Foster film is actually Panic Room, but I'm not going to like spill the tea on it now because obviously I think we're going to talk about that because it is the 20th. I can't believe it's 20 years old. My God. I
2: know, I know. It's scary, I, isn't it? I
3: watched it the other day and yeah. I was like, God, Jared Leto just still looks the same <laughs> You know, I, know, I, did, I was but, watching like i watched that and then the trailer for morbius has been everywhere and i was like damn you, <laughs> what is your what's your skincare routine jared let us know <laughs> i'm aging over here i don't want that to happen um the one i'm, uh, I'm obviously i'm not doing this in order because who cares Look. but uh, <laughs> the other one i watched the other day which i actually love and i feel like a lot a lot of people talk about it is flight plan oh i love that film right that is-
2: That is a brilliant film. I love that. That was one of my five, actually.
3: It's a good one. I hadn't watched it in so long. And then I rewatched it to talk about it. And I was like, Sean Bean's the pilot. Everyone's going to die because Sean Bean dies (laughs) in every movie. He's clearly going to crash or explode.
2: He's got a bad track record, hasn't he? He's got a bad track record. Or he's
3: going to have a heart attack while flying. And then he survives. (laughs) And I was like, I can't watch this movie. No, but Flight Plan is a genius movie. It's great. Do you know what I mean? It's a very sort of like gaslighting movie. Like, okay, you're a crazy hysterical woman. You've lost your child on a plane. How stupid are you to lose a child on a plane, you idiot! Like, but they you just see what, drag her.
2: <laughs> I know, but you see, what's great about that film though is that um, where where we mentioned just now that she's great playing characters under genuine pressure, and you really mm. see it. She goes through the full gamut of emotions. You know, anger,
3: frustration. Yeah, 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 yeah I anger, frustration,
2: good. confusion, and downright panic. I, I think it's an amazing film, and oh, it's a, who's- it's.
3: So who's the actor who is the um, flight marshal on that plane?
2: Um, That is a good question. I was
3: watching that movie and the whole time he just looked so tired. I was
4: like,
3: (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the actor's face because I was like, where have I seen him before? It's really going to annoy me. The guy plays the flight marshal. I was like, you just look so tired, bro. I get the travel Uh, is hard. but
2: It's (laughs) never a good good sign, is it really? I don't trust
3: you to be a flight marshal. You're falling asleep on the job. I know.
2: It's, it's, a, it's, a, movie, though. it's an amazing film, and it just cre- keeps on cranking up the tension as well. But you focus on Jodie Foster because she's got great eyes, very expressive, and she can tell a hundred stories with just one expression. It's a sign of a great actor. Jason, have you seen Fli- Flight Path?
4: Flight Plan. Flight Pan, Plan. Sorry, Flight yeah, Pan. sorry. That, was, that was actually one of my top five as well. Yeah, I love I that film. I love all the suspense in it. Yeah. I love the how they, I love the how the script kind of Gives impressions that that it could be just into into, into Jodie Foster's mind, her character's mind. I like that. Yeah.
3: Being gaslit as a woman is an (laughs) uncommon.
2: Well, I'll tell you something else about that film as well, though, is that there's that sense of claustrophobia where you know, the um uh, the director. It's the director I'm not really that familiar with, Robert Schwenker. Mm. Um, is that he manages to enclose the action really. And it is. It's set on it's set on a double decker aircraft yeah, but it's still very
3: right. i didn't know planes could get that big i mean i know previous to prior to the podcast we're talking about my travel anxiety but well, <laughs> planes yeah. were also trash but i was like why is that plane so big they got stairs they got a bar like they're five minutes away from having a swimming pool i've never been on a i've been on like a like a jet like a boeing but geez yeah. i never knew that swanky but you
2: see She's still lost it... her kid though. yeah well yeah that's true yeah uh but what what um what I think it is interesting about basing a story on a plane, really, is that you know all the main ca- all the characters are, are trapped. They're fixed in, aren't they? They're in that space, and there's no mm. no way out, right? And you think to yourself in this storyline, how she got on the plane? I mean, she was bringing her back up, her husband's body, wasn't she, from Berlin? Yeah. But she gets on the plane with her daughter, and then her daughter disappears. She goes to sleep. She wakes up. Her daughter's gone. And there's no, absolutely no record of her. And mm. that's got to be every parent's worst nightmare. Because for one thing, you think you're going around the bend. You think you're going mad. And I think it, it carries that kind of terror so well. It, it does it so well. But partly, they do it with the visuals because it's on an aircraft anyway. So you've got that kind of sense of containment there. That is probably why films work so well on a plane.
3: No one's yeah. trusting Sean Bean to be our pilot, though. He, uh, see, he was all right in
2: Sharp, though, wasn't he? You'd trust him in Sharp, though, wouldn't you?
3: He survived and... in um, both the Silent Hill movies. Uh, we did the podcast on video games, and he oh, was surviving right. in that. Good for him. He, yeah. was, he was a low-key role, though. He wasn't in a much of a high-risk situation.
2: See, he, d- he didn't last very long in Game of Thrones either, did he? You know, only episode nine of the first series. It was... a a crushing disappointment to me let's start does
3: everyone like game of thrones because i hate game of thrones
2: um i kind of liked it up to a point i think it's it's a bit like um having a having a chocolate affair you know (laughs) i have a certain amount
3: yeah
2: too much of it you know
4: anyway we are going off a bit of a tangent wait jason
3: did you like game of thrones yeah
4: the series I haven't seen it, Never, not a single episode, unfortunately. Well Good. done.
3: In that way, it's trash. <laughs>
2: well done, Jason. How did you manage to avoid seeing seeing Game of Thrones?
4: Well, uh, That's quite an
2: achievement, isn't it?
4: But everybody says it's awesome. Is it not? No.
3: No. Um, <laughs> I, Brian's like all oh, diplomatic about it, and I'm like, it's garbage. <laughs>
2: well, well, I mean, really, it it's got something about it, but I think it probably went on for a much longer than it should have done.
3: Definitely. And not
2: just the length of the series; it's just. It's, they, of course, there is going to be a prequel to. Uh, to
3: oh, the game, crying out loud!
2: So, so get ready for it. Rachel. Make I shall sure you avo- it. <laughs> just avoid Sky Atlantic because that's where it will be.
3: I'm and, too poor for Sky, so <laughs> oh, it's are you? working oh, in my favor.
2: Oh, there you go. Results, <laughs> ah. silver linings and all that. Oh, okay. My
3: second movie. I'm going to go. Your second one, yeah. Because we've, both, cho- we've well, both, all three of us, rather, have chosen Flight Plan. Um, yeah. I'm going to try and pick one now, which I think no one else is going to pick, but you're both going to go. I picked that one. Um, the Little Girl Who Lives Down the Lane.
4: No, I didn't pick that one. Woo! Actually, who
3: so Pick that.
4: That's one of our first ones, isn't it? The very old A, one. Yeah so okay. i haven't seen it no
3: oh yeah. i got one that no one picked right. this Go movie on there, is like just yeah. like this was after taxi driver so i did some research because i'm like she's literally the same age which one came first taxi driver came first but yeah. i just thought to myself she's 13 <clears throat> or something like that again the movie is is very good very suspense you know um She's she's been doing these suspense thriller films since the get-go, hasn't she? Jeez, yeah. tough roles. But she again, she she takes on things at 13 where she's murdering people in this movie. Um there's uh, there's there's sexual scenes almost where she's, you know, like the the idea that she's naked with older men and things like that. Mm. Um so she's really like playing and pushing herself the movie itself is is great you know it's it's compelling it's engaging it's a great thriller there's scenes in it where you go like that which is always what you need because obviously film is there to engage us and sometimes make us laugh make us cry make us be repulsed and but i just thought to myself one of the things about picking that movie is just simply that she was 13 and she's done taxi driver where she's playing a prostitute and then she's going straight into doing this role when she's 13 and she's murdering people. And yeah, I was just I, like, I want to murder people at 13. No <laughs>
2: <laughs> Well, I mean, it's a film that I wasn't aware of and it was the same year as Taxi Driver or it was released the same year anyway. Yeah,
3: they were really close to each other. Yeah.
2: And Martin Sheen was in it as well. I'm just looking at the uh,
3: oh. cast list. It was Canadian, it, it, wasn't it? It was made in Canada. And, yeah, set in and...
2: Quebec. It, it's, it looks French. like a bit of a, a bit of a sleeper, a film that got, kind of lost through the cracks and has been forgotten yeah, I think
3: doing two of those movies so close together which are very gritty subjects if you will um yeah the, one of them's always going to go under the radar more than the other and it's a shame because i do prefer it to taxi driver personally um Ooh, but you know spoiler spoiler if anyone doesn't like animal cruelty someone kills a hamster in it which is with a cigarette which is like super depressing but <laughs> Like, big. that was just drama. I was like, ew, I don't like that. Like, I'll watch horror films till the cows come home. But if someone kills an animal, yeah. how dare you?
2: That's surprising because you are a big horror fan, aren't you, Rachel?
3: I hate it when he, like, it's it's like I don't care about people. But if you kill the animal, <laughs> I'm like, stop doing that. Animals like, are I'm different. Yeah. yeah okay. to- and he kills a hamster. It's the most, like, harmless little baby. And he puts yeah. a cigarette out on it. And it's just... Just and when she kills someone else, I was like, Oh thank god a human died i don't want to <laughs> cleanse my palate from all the hamster death. It's
2: strange the way it gets to you, isn't it? But yeah, Michael I Michael think...
3: Myers is always killing dogs in Halloween and I'm like, why do we even have this? Like it's such an unnecessary like uh part like it doesn't build his character. I don't know why they do it. It's just like... isn't
2: this just a shock though? I mean one of the one of the objectives of horror is the shock, isn't it? It's the genuinely scare. Yeah. The
3: I genuinely think they know it upsets people, so they're like put a dog death in <laughs> But you, see really the,
2: them yeah, up. <laughs> but you see, the thing is, though, we're more accustomed to films like that today, though, aren't we? But back then, in the mid-70s, I don't know, I just get the feeling that some directors and filmmakers held back a little bit more. And when they did try something like this... It yeah. always caused more of a stir.
3: Well, look um, at things like Cannibal Holocaust. They took those people to court because they genuinely thought they'd ate those people, didn't they? And things like yeah. Last Last House on the Left and, you know, they really, it was the extreme, were, yeah. went really extreme. Dun, yeah. dun.
2: Jason, that kind of film, does that work for you? That, is, is that your kind of film? Is that the kind of movie you would watch?
4: You mean with animal Cruelty?
2: well not necessarily animal, animal cruelty but it has a very aggressive approach to filmmaking the what the way rachel's described it is it a film that that would work for you or do, is that a turn-off do you think for you
4: i mean well now that rachel has talked about this film uh with jodie foster i would like to see it you know i'm curious about it because it sounds like yeah. a rather good psychological thriller
3: it's definitely it's, psychological, yeah, definitely.
4: It's
2: challenging, isn't it? I think mm. that's what you call it. And that's always been... One of the first things I thought about with Jodie Foster was that she does take on challenging roles. And she was doing it at a very young age as well. And that's what really strikes strikes me about the films that she makes, is that, that she doesn't take the easy route at all. These, these films are going to cause a reaction of some sort. And that's certainly what this film does The Little Girl Who Lives Down the oh, Lane. Oh
3: yeah, that film definitely is is
2: Do you know what though? I don't common. think it's a great title for a film though. It's very long, isn't it? The Little Girl, the girl who, lives who Lives Down, down, the, down the, lane. the
3: Lane. There's a few movies uh with titles like that like yeah you just
2: all go eh. Yeah, it kind <laughs> of does, doesn't you want I mean Taxi Driver, it's sharp, it's more it's immediate, isn't it, I think. They should call yeah. that
3: movie Hamster Killer. And well, then... <laughs> yeah,
2: that would that would work better, wouldn't it? Really? Yeah. No.
3: Killer. <laughs> That'd be mad. I wouldn't watch it. I would but then I wouldn't have watched it. I'd be like, uh, leave those well, hamsters. Yeah, alive. It kind of draws you
2: in, doesn't it? Yeah, little, that's true.
3: Little chubby so w- hamsters. What's your third film then, Rachel? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna seamlessly segue because on, we've then. been talking about her youth, the youth of Jodie Foster. And this is another thing that I think about when I was watching um Catching up with the old Jodie Foster films recently was Taxi Driver. Of course, mm, we of all course. Taxi Driver, right? Naturally. Why does Jodie Foster have the same voice that she has now when she was 13? Like, if I listened to myself at 13, I'd be like, I have a youthful voice. Yeah. Jodie Foster has had the same straight laced she has a very particular dialect to the way, yeah. like, the way she talks, and yeah. it's like. If if you weren't watching the screen and there was like a quiz show, what age is Jodie Foster? And you had right. to do it just by her voice, you would always but, get it wrong.
2: But yeah, you see, it's an interesting point though, Rachel, because you know the voice is one part of our body that doesn't seem to age or it shouldn't right. do. It doesn't put on weight, does it? It doesn't. You know, it should sound the same. Oh, my it? voice
3: is so fat. <laughs> <laughs> i gotta be on a diet but her but, voice is like literally watching her at 13 year old in taxi driver and the little girl down that lives down the lane i'm like i could close my eyes and she sounds exactly the same yeah. as she does as a grown adult like everyone's no. voice matures
2: hers yeah of course didn't. Yeah. she didn't no. smoke
3: enough cigarettes
2: probably not yeah she had <laughs> too clean an upbringing that's probably what it was so
3: um, i can imagine jodie foster has like a super clean life do you know what i mean like she has yeah. this normal <clears> down-to-earth life but then she goes and does all these like really challenging movies and that's where she gets it out so that it's a reaction home. to it isn't yeah, it it's the antidote really normal She's, yeah. she loves the grocery store and picking up her kids yeah and
2: very wholesome very,
3: very wholesome. wholesome she lives yeah. in like connecticut or something i yeah. can imagine nice farmhouse she, she
2: should have been in the sullivans or something shouldn't she, she a little house in the prairie
3: oh yeah yeah wait is she married <laughs> i, th- I think she was she... Oh, wait i thought she was gay
2: yeah, she was she was married to another woman, wasn't she, oh, okay. for a while? And
3: yeah, they're not married
2: really... anymore. I don't
3: think.
2: Oh no! No 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 no. So, um, with Taxi Driver, then, um, Jason, what are your thoughts of, on Taxi Driver?
4: Well, my thoughts, well, i have to say, that was going to be on my uh, five as well.
2: Yeah, I it one of mine. It, it was
4: uh it, it was quite shocking to see when it came out because of because of because she was starting as a you know. Underage prostitute, but her yeah. performance is fantastic. You know, she was nominated for an Oscar, and she's yeah, she's very dramatic as a you know that troubled little girl <coughs> who is forced yeah. into prostitution. Yeah,
2: Humanity,
4: yeah, humani-
2: I, yeah, absolutely. No, I totally agree that it it was uh, as you say, Rachel. That you know she she was a kid at the time she was the age she was meant to be more or less mm. 13 or 14 in in the film itself but you're right about her voice it's interesting you you've alighted on that point because she sounds like you know she was a child in the storyline she's a child forced to live in an adult world but seeing the very darkest side of human nature and i think even now that is still shocking to see it still carries that punch i mean i I watched it again a few weeks ago, and it, and it is still, it is still shocking in the way it portrays a child trying to survive. Um, all right, we all look at Travis Bickle, played by De Niro, but
3: mm. you can
2: often overlook what Jodie Foster contributes to that film. But yeah, she,
3: I think Jodie Foster is like a massive driving driving force of that movie, and everyone yeah. quotes all the usual taxi driver, you know, blah blah blah. But I'm like, you know, she was 13; she's playing a tough role. Also, on a lighter, untaxi driver-related note, I googled Jodie Foster's wife, and she's got married again! Hooray! Hey,
2: <laughs> she has we are like happy.
3: Wife, ed- yeah, who we is like also happy endings, a, don't we? She yeah. married a director called Alexandra. I'm going to pronounce her name wrong. Hiddison, and they have children together. Oh, is that lovely? Isn't that oh. lovely? <laughs>
2: We like a happy ending, don't
3: we? She's got a nice happy ending.
2: Yeah, cool. They're making,
3: making movies together and being in love. Oh, isn't that nice?
2: You see, other other couples just, just make bake cakes or, or do pottery or something. They make films.
3: Have you been watching Ghost again, Brian?
2: <laughs> oh, look, I, I watch Ghost quite a lot, actually. I've I think never it, seen Ghost. Oh, it's a good... Uh, Jason, have you seen Ghost? It's Patrick Swayze.
3: Yeah. Patrick, Patrick Swayze,
2: Swayze, yeah. yeah I, I, th- it. I think. Yeah, I love that film. Yeah, great film. I think it's great. Uh, Wait,
3: so her husband's dead, or is she dead?
2: No, uh, her husband's dead.
3: And then they make pottery together.
2: Well, no, that was in the dream, wasn't it? They they kind of flash back in her own memory. They flash back to when they were together, and they were making making pottery together, and and he was kind of she was romantic
3: with his ghost.
2: In oh, the movie. You could put it that way. Depends how what you interpret it. What is that it.
3: movie? I have never seen that movie. Eh? Are you, uh,
2: you will have to do. you you're, you're, writing your own endings now, aren't you, Rachel? Well,
3: people think right. There is like, like, there's like people out there in the world, and we're not dragging anyone who genuinely believes in ghosts. But there are like literally people out there in the world who think they have sexual encounters with ghosts, and that's mm. fine. But um, I need to watch Ghost if that's the storyline. It's <laughs> a very good
2: film. <laughs> actually, it's a very good film. The you know it if you see past the sentiment of the film Mm. and you see it for what is a very powerful piece of storytelling and also Whoopi goldberg was brilliant as the oh
3: yeah she's in it as well yeah
2: she was the she was the allegedly false medium but she wasn't kind of you know and there's lots of good stuff going on in, in that in that film it is a great film and it and it comes out with it finishes on on a very important note about life and saying what you feel for the people you love the most you know so there's that side of it as well.
3: Let's throw some clay. That's what yeah. they wanted to say to each yeah. other. Anyway,
2: let's get back to Taxi Driver then. Um, beak um,
3: beak.
2: Uh, an amazing film. An amazing film. No question that, you know, it's Scorsese, it's De Niro. But I think in that equation, you often forget, I, I, well, I do anyway, I forget what jo- Jodie Foster does for that film. You know, they even talk about um, uh, Harvey Keisel, who has more of a kind of a cameo role. And it's a very unpleasant character because he's the pimp, isn't he?
3: Mm.
2: you know so no
3: one likes a pimp
2: nobody likes a pimp no absolutely right
3: so (laughs) yeah
2: again that would have been one, one of mine uh one of my five without a shadow of a doubt because because it has all that that mark of quality about it because you've got a great cast and you've got a great director
3: you Taxi Driver is one of those films that's, um it's it's just, it's historically iconic, do you know what I mean? It's referenced mm-hmm. so much in pop culture. And um, and I think, like, you know, going full circle, to so what we're talking about in regards to Jodie Foster. Everyone references Taxi Driver in that pop culture way, but no one references the fact that of her role in that movie and oh. her playing this tough role and being a 13-year-old prostitute and all that other kind of jazz. And it's a shame that it's kind of overlooked. But, I mean, it's easier to sort of pop culturalize you know other things yeah.
2: but you see that that's that's exactly what i'm saying because she was a kid she was mm. the age she was meant to be and it's mm. not like she was a 20 year old playing a 14 year old she was a kid she was a child she was a minor and to, to um provide that that degree of insight and perception into a, a what is a very complex role i think
3: mm.
2: was an incre- a, incredible achievement but then again. You've got to give Scorsese some credit for that because he, he gets performances like that out of...
3: He's the yeah, man. He... He is a good director. Um, this is the thing is, it, it makes me think about this movie that came out that everyone hated because everyone slated the actresses in it, but they were children. And it's a horror movie, and I don't know if anyone's heard of it, called Megan is Missing
2: um i I, i've heard of it but i couldn't tell you anything about it
3: don't watch it it's terrifying Uh, it's like a a phony found footage film in it but um it it, again it deals with the case of of young girls and sexuality and Ah. um uh it's 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 basically around them being captured and sexually assaulted Mm. but everyone drags the actresses who did it but they were the age of the girls who they were meant to be playing i think i think they're like Mm. um 14 or 15 one of them's older those two of them and um and I just thought to myself, like, yes, it's not the best acting, but you're playing a very intense role at yeah. a very young age, where you may not have the greatest understanding of being in Megan is missing, being groomed online, being you know yeah. um, sexually yeah. assaulted. And then again, Jodie Foster, though at thirteen, she nailed yeah. Taxi Driver, and absolutely, she clearly has come from an upbringing we can hope for her, that she's not been exposed to being a 13-year-old prostitute. Unless well, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, you know, she was acting at a young age and stuff. So to really encompass that role in the way she did was So Young, it's just like, you know, yeah. hand clapping, hats off to you and stuff yeah. like that. But if you haven't seen Megan is Missing, don't watch it if you're triggered by sexual assault, but do watch it if you love a really right. weird horror movie. It's okay, a very that's... intense horror movie.
2: Right, okay. That's. I, I've often sort of bragged about horror films not scaring me, so that could be the one that,
4: that I finally does say scare it's... me.
3: I wouldn't say it's scary. It's incredibly shocking and raw. Disturbing. Yeah, disturbing. It's, it's yeah, yeah it's on the iceberg of, like, gross movies to watch. And right. it's, yeah, it's... Okay,
2: <laughs> I shall have to give that one a go and I shall report back accordingly.
3: I could tell you films to watch, Brian, and you would <sighs> report back and be like, I'm never uh, watching those movies again. Yeah, <laughs>
2: well, as I say, I, it's like throwing down the gauntlet because I don't get, I don't get, I don't, kind of get affected by horror films in probably the way that I should, but it's about using your imagination as much as anything else, I think.
3: Watch a movie called Slaughterhouse Vomit Dolls and then we'll talk. Oh, really?
2: You've made that one up, haven't you? No,
3: you can Google it on your phone right now. Like Jason's in the background just Google
2: Slaughter? What was that? Slaughterhouse Vomit
3: Dolls. I'm just going to make sure that's the correct um, title of it. It's disgusting. I (laughs) haven't watched it for years. The picture should be like of a like a kid's drawing of a doll
2: right yeah
3: um if you're looking at it yes yeah, yep. I... oh slaughtered vomit dolls sorry i got the name wrong oh,
2: yeah no it yeah, is. it's disgusting it's, yeah it is it yeah. right okay it I, is
3: a movie i didn't I lie. take it back
2: rachel i take it all back and whilst i i disclaimer
3: I... no one watched that movie <laughs> yeah it's about um uh... i'm trying to like think about how i can talk about it without it being um gonna destroy us on obviously (laughs) we can't talk about certain things um it's about prostitutionists like prostitutions and strippers um this girl she's a runaway prostitute um and i think from what i remember i haven't seen it in for a while it's basically like vomit gore she um Gets into like some sort of like psychedelic drug trip and then she starts having all these weird hallucinations and things like that. And um, she thinks she's falling into the pit of hell, but um, I think it's yeah, drug drug induced. But um, there's all this weird vomit like gore action and it's all about vomit. It's it's mm, hmm. it's not a movie, <laughs> I don't know well, why they made that movie 2006 2005. Brian, if you've got it up, you shouldn't, um, you oh, might be uh, looking uh, at it. It's about two thousand five, two thousand six, yeah. I think. It's quite an old movie now. Yeah. It's terrible. It's absolutely but, atrocious.
2: Well, well, um well, thanks for that, Rachel. Um,
3: oh, you're welcome.
2: I'm sure I'm sure we've we've made a mental note of that.
3: Uh, everyone just is clicking away right now yeah. to go watch that terrible movie.
2: So what what's what's your fourth Jodie Foster film then? Rachel?
3: Oh it's Silence of the Lambs, isn't it? And has everyone oh, got that well. on their list?
2: Yes, yeah, yeah. Jason Jason.
4: Yep, absolutely. Yeah.
2: I Mason's <laughs> just delayed
3: cuz he's watching Slaughter Vomit Golf something in the background. Yeah. yeah, that movie is genius. Like I feel like um everyone she like remember right okay, I'm going to get really weird and annoying. Remember how Manhunter came out in 1986? Yeah. Which was then remade into Red Dragon. Yeah. And the guy who play like, who the guy in it who talks like Hannibal Lecter is really unhinged but trying to stay sane and he's, like, carrying that energy and stuff yeah. like that. And then they obviously released Silence of the Lambs, but Hollywood were like, hey, that was successful, let's remake it later with Edward Norton. But I yeah. feel like Jodie Foster really must have studied that movie, like yeah. um, Manhunter, because she really encompasses that cop trying to keep it together, trying to stay on the brink of sanity, trying to hold yeah. her own against this benevolent force. And um I'd seen Manhunter first, which was a blessing, I think. I think it's the best way to do it. Yeah. Uh, Manhunter was like 1986, maybe 1980. Yeah, I
2: think it was been yeah, yeah. It yeah. was great
3: film. Oh, who was um Hannibal? Lecter? Brian Foster? Brian
2: Cox. Brian, Brian Cox. Cox. Yes. Brian Cox. Oh my god, I yeah. love him.
3: I love him. I love him. Yeah. Um and uh, you know, when I watched those films, like, you know, in the what I'm air quoting correct order, I was yeah. like, Yes, he prays. You get that feeling that he preys on those cops who seem on edge. Mm. And um and that gave it a much more interesting edge. I think if you watch it Silence of the Lambs first and then watch Red Dragon, you're kind of like, eh, but it's better to watch Manhunter first. Yeah,
2: I think I think you're right about getting them in order in that way. Mm. What what really impressed me about Jodie Foster in Silence of the Lambs though, was that she didn't sit back at all in the role. She yeah. didn't let Anthony Hopkins do all, all the all the work. You know. She was equal to him, you know, and I think she matched him frame for frame. And the fact that that film, that year at the Oscars, it mm. won the big five awards. Yeah. Because Jodie Foster got best actress, Anthony Hopkins got best actor, Jonathan Demi got best director, got best picture, and it got best adapted screenplay. And that is such a rare thing. You don't normally get that.
3: What I love Uh, about Jodie Foster in that film is you can, and I don't, I mean, you guys are both dudes. Did you mm -hmm. both know that? You're both guys. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't like, I, as a woman felt her overwhelming desperation um, to uh, prove herself all the time to the very Hmm. male dominated environment that she was being thrown into. And that's like, it oozes off the screen in the, fir- in the first half of the well, all of the film, because even the bit when she's in the house at the end, you know, you still get that vibe where she's like, don't mess up, Do you know, what I mean, don't fail, because they're going to just rip you to shreds at back at the office or whatever. And hmm. I feel like that is such an important part of her character. And she plays it so well, because Jodie Foster seems like a strong person, I can imagine in real life. Yeah, she had that vulnerability in that movie. And I think it was so well yeah. portrayed. She was very I, good.
2: I th- I think you're right I think the the Oscar was well deserved I think I think she often plays I mean such is the 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 nature of being an actor being an actress uh is that you play characters that have to be strong that have to try that much harder have to try that much harder to prove themselves Mm -hmm. and Clarice Starling was pretty much in that category I think and I think uh, Jodie Foster is so well suited suited to that type of role because she comes across as a strong woman every single time. I also think
3: if no one has seen Manhunter, go and watch Manhunter (laughs) because it's such a good movie and and everyone forgets about it.
2: But I think it gets swamped a little bit because of Silence of the Lambs.
3: Yeah, and that's such a shame. It gets lost. Yeah, I think Manhunter is the better movie. We're just dragging Silence of the Lambs like trash now. (laughs) Manhunter is such a good... And I'm going to just go on a Manhunter tangent. The way they do or like the subtle green like... um, if, like filters on all like the camera shots and stuff like yeah. that it's so good so, yeah. i don't know why i love the green i just love it and that 80s score that they have in it manhunter's yeah. good it's for free on youtube everyone go watch it now ah, click yes. away watch slaughter vomit dolls and Manhunter. <laughs> your evening's on As a little You're extra
2: done. make that the b feature
3: yeah if you need to you... calm down yeah. after the vomit film yeah <laughs> <Before> that's
2: right <laughs> jason what what's your impressions of, of silence of the lambs
4: well, Jodie Foster in it, uh, she is brilliant. I think it's terrific performance, and she plays a character. She manages to play a character who is both vulnerable and, stro- mm. and strong at the same mm. time. You know, because she plays that FBI trainee who yeah. is haunted by her, by a tra- by a, tra- a traumatic experience in her childhood. Yeah. At the same time, though, she is intelligent and determined to mm. catch the killer. Yeah, I, I think those scenes between. Um,
2: Hopkins and Jodie Foster are electric, though, aren't they, really? Even though there's a glass screen separating the two of them. You know, to me, if if I was Jodie Foster playing that role, I think I would feel quite intimidated by Hopkins because he seemed to get under the skin of the role. And it's almost like if you're in that situation and you're acting against someone like that, it almost feels like you're not acting. It would almost feel real to me. That's the way I would see it. And... It's a sign of two two great actors.
3: I feel like every time they were on the screen together, it became like, it could just be me picking up on it. There was like a strange sort of Stockholm syndrome energy between her and him. Mm. And I really loved that. It was either a Stockholm syndrome energy or there was some sort of, erotic tension i don't get like and then i never can figure out maybe it's me being stupid like i can never figure out whether he actually genuinely has feelings for her maybe in just an affectionate way yeah or, actually or a that's that's
2: a, yeah because towards towards the end i mean it's
3: like he kind of cares about her yeah there
2: is a kind of a dependence between the two of them isn't there because the very last scene at, at the end he actually says mm. uh something along the lines of Clarice, I won't be paying you a visit because I think the world is a much happier place with you in it. Or words to that effect. Yeah,
3: something like that. And I was just like, "Dude, is he? Is he?" Yeah, for Clarice? it does
2: make you think, doesn't it? That, that <laughs> there's something more, but it gives it that kind of frisson of added frisson of tension, doesn't it as well?
3: Silence uh, of the Lambs was um, basically the. 90s version of online dating you don't have to touch (laughs) each other but you can still be in love we're behind glass Clarice but I love you in that pantsuit no
2: well No worries about COVID.
3: No, oh my a screen between
2: them. Yeah, no worries there. You know, yeah. Let's let's be, be fair about that. Okay, so that's Silence of the Lamb. I think we more or less would would agree that's a, a great film and it's a modern classic, isn't it? Without a shadow of a doubt. Rachel, you're up to your fifth film. What's what's your final film? I
3: think we all were ready for it. <laughs> Go it's on. The Panic Room. Dun, 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 dun. I love this movie so much. Oh my Tell God. me
2: why. Tell us why. I
3: shook my friends today by saying that I love that movie, and because uh, I don't make phone calls on my work time, of course not. <laughs> no, <laughs> Who of course not. No. no um, I was talking about Panic, and I was like, I love Panic Room, and he was like, Would you, Whoa, really?" And I was like, "Dude, this movie is like—I've literally only watched this movie like three times, but every time I watch it, I'm so on edge, I'm so engaged, I'm so invested in every second that, mm. that of screen." Screen time because you're like your kid's got diabetes is it
2: yeah it was it was it was, it was a young Kristen Stewart wasn't it playing
3: a yeah the daughter yeah playing
2: a daughter yeah she's
3: got something wrong with her in her blood she needs insulin yeah. injections they're in the panic room where's the money Jared Leto then there's the other creepy burglar guy who's just like I'm literally going to start murdering people you're like oh that's annoying <laughs> do you know what I mean there's
0: Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST.
3: So yeah. much going on. Also, I watched it recently, as I said, to prep for the podcast, and it makes mm. me depressed about the housing market. No one can afford <laughs> that house now. That house right. is gorgeous. Mm. But I mean, generally as a movie, um, like Jodie Foster in it seemed... Slightly quite light-hearted, and it she didn't seem as serious as she did. She was a woman so- who was going through a divorce and Getting yeah. a new house, which is stressful, but overall she was quite a sort of average mum. Just yeah. everything in Jodie Foster's life is—you're a pretty average mum. <laughs> mum <laughs> energy. She had that good mum energy, which was nice, yeah. and um yeah. And then she's like thrust into home invasion with Jared Leto, which I think is probably most people's nightmare because like there is some weird thing where everyone hates Jared Leto.
2: I know it makes me uncomfortable. I, I just feel slightly uneasy just watching him on screen. It's just—he just
3: breaks into your house and starts talking about himself. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, yeah, and I, know. But you see, look. What I say? What gives this film such an edge in terms of the narrative, the storyline, the plotting of it, mm. is that, is that she's supposedly safe in the panic room. This is a room where where she can go and her daughter can go and be mm-hmm. safe from any intruders, but she's kind of safe but trapped in her own home, and there's somebody
3: yeah.
2: outside.
3: You've made a prison in your own home, essentially.
2: Yeah, and that's what gives it this just weird edge that you think... It, it is disturbing, it makes your phone come, but it kind of... It, it just makes you watch, it draws you in.
4: There's and every time
3: it... she leaves the panic room, because there's a couple of occasions where she leaves, one she goes to get her phone, and there's another time where she goes down to get the um, drugs for the daughter and stuff like that, and you become... I remember when I was watching it, I'm like, oh, you become terrified of the house because you're Mm. so used to her in the little box. You're like the safety room, the safety of the box. When she ventures out into the house and because they shot it in a building... Again, thanks, housing market, for depressing us. But because the house is so big, mm. you then all of a sudden feel very exposed. Yeah. And the way Jodie Foster like manages when she's creeping around the rooms and you can feel her tension and feel her fear, and obviously the director on that part as well, it's genius. That movie is not a lot of people have seen it, which also no. gets me shook.
2: The um,
3: in it. come on, everyone.
2: Yeah, yeah, the um, well, the director <laughs> is um, is David Fincher, he's got a pretty good track record, really. Um,
3: mm, with that movie is I hadn't seen that movie until probably like I was maybe 2017 I never watched it I only watched it because it popped up on Netflix and I was like oh young Kirsten Stewart let's watch that and then I was like oh this movie's yeah but movie this, this
2: this comes from a director though that um, was responsible for Gone Girl with um Osmond oh, no, no, yeah <laughs> which was a brilliant brilliant everything. film he directed
1: so much
2: I know he directed oh, Mank as well with Gary Oldman David Fincher David Fincher, yeah. He directed Zodiac. Great um, movie. He, but he's, he's directed sort of such a variety. That he does pop videos as well. Um, wow. So Seven. Uh, now, I forgot he, he directed Seven with uh, Brad Pitt. Awesome so, film. Yeah, brilliant film. So it comes from a director who knows what he's doing, yeah. really does understand how to portray, how to tell a story. Um, mm. Absolutely. Jason, what do you think of The
4: Panic Room? Yeah, I like the panic room. I can't say that it's super to me—not super to me, unfortunately—but I do like it. It's a good thriller, many edge of your seat moments, and a mm-hmm. good plot. And yeah, yeah, I approve of it. Good film, I'd say. Yeah, some people say it's not good. But I think it's okay.
3: I think. Who are these people? Let's hunt them down. There. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Let's,
2: we want some names. Yeah, um, <laughs> but no. Again, it's very solid. I think where you when you look at who's involved in this film. I mean, Forrest Whiskers in it as well, and there are some really good scenes in the film that are, are worth pointing out. I think I think it's a very solid, a very sort of film that's going to hold your attention every time. Oh yeah, time.
3: definitely. I do feel like and, it definitely holds your attention. Also, you know, there's a the thing about Panic Room I like as well. I don't know if anyone else picked up on it. I'm all, I'm all about colors today. It's yeah. just, the the gray tones in that movie, like yeah. it's so gray. <laughs>
2: I know, but you see, I, th- I think really, we've become used to, over time, we've become used to seeing visually stunning films, and there are certain things we expect to see, but when something kind of goes off, you know, colour, in terms of the way a film is coloured and presented, mm. some, when confronted with something a bit different, a bit grayer, it stands out a bit more. Yeah, it's I like loved when it,
3: it. it. Whenever you see a black like and white like film, person.
2: when you see a black and white film, it kind of stands out a bit more. Because we're used to very kind of, very sort of vivid tones, And mm. you switch into something a bit grayer, a bit more monochrome, then it has a much bigger impact, I think. So Imagine
3: if J.J. Um, Abrams made a black and white film. He couldn't have any sun flares. He'd be so depressed.
2: I oh, know. <laughs> See, maybe we'll give it a go. You know, it's um...
3: Branch out, J.J., if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's...
2: Be brave. Be brave. Be
3: brave. Yeah. Mug those sun flares off. Take it <laughs> from uh, panic room. You can be gray, but you can have a good time. But like, just in general, I think that there are so many things in that movie that make it, obviously we're meant to talk about Jodie Foster. She is exceptional. She is the, she's the leading, you know, she's everything in that movie. She has to look after the kids. She has to get out of the panic room. She has to stop Jared Leto talking about his music career. So much she has to do. But you know the movie in itself is just—it sets her up to perform at her best. I think is what I'm trying to say. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, just every—and I can't believe he did Zodiac and Gone Girl. No wonder I like that film because I love those two movies. Just with Gone Girl is like—you know—when I'm mad at men, I regularly will watch that movie, which means I probably watch it every day. No,
2: (laughs) (laughs) it's a brilliant film, absolutely brilliant film. The way it's it's constructed and put together,
3: yeah, fantastic film. And the Zodiac um, is is also a fantastic movie which I didn't know he done. So I'm kind of yeah. I'm shook yeah. from the information, Brian. Thank you oh, well,
2: for it. Well I am glad I'm glad you're happy with it. You know, Jake it's Gyllenhaal's
3: uh... in Zodiac. He's so hot. So hot. It's got presence, oh, oh my God. Listening. Wait, we just did um what's the time? Forty one minutes into a podcast and I've only just mentioned someone who's hot.
2: You are slipping.
3: I'm slipping. You're slipping, what Rachel. it? What I really what, love Jake Gyllenhaal. I think he's super hot. I don't care any role he does. Can you, he act uh, though? Bon.
2: Do, you, do you think yeah. he can act though? Can he act? Can he? Can he really act? Do you think? Yeah, Brokeback Mountain.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah.
2: yeah um, he's good in that. Yeah, but what I'm and saying is Night, Nightcrawler.
3: Yeah, Nightcrawler, and he, I think he's really good in Donnie Darko. I, I genuinely, not just because I, you know would like to be locked in a panic room with Jake Gyllenhaal. I, <laughs> think, he is a, I think he's a dynamic actor. I think he's done a, a lot of varied roles. I think he holds his own. I feel like at the moment, he's kind of doing a few more sort of schlocky, hammy, actiony kind of things. Maybe see, well, he needs the paycheck. I don't know. Yeah,
2: this is, see, this, <laughs> is, this is this is why I asked the question because he's obviously got ability. He's ca- he yeah, back he's got, in the day, yeah. Yeah, he's got charisma. He, you know, he's got presence. But it's a bit like, I suppose it's similar to my, my uh, thoughts about Keanu Reeves, I like them as actors, but are they really stretching themselves? Are they picking roles that are easy, you know, easy to make, easy money, or are they picking, or should they be picking roles that challenge them a bit more?
3: I 100% had this conversation, I can't remember who I had it with the other day, and we were talking about Keanu Reeves, and I was like, Keanu Reeves has the capacity to do good movies and be a good actor, and why does he pick such trash? And it's, uh, I mean, it's just my opinion that it's trash. I'm not big on sci-fi, I'm not big on... Well, no, no, action, no, I, but... you see,
2: I agree. Maybe we should do a podcast on Keanu Reeves, it's, it's, it's in the offing, I'm sure, because I'm going for a bit of a tangent here, but uh, Keanu Reeves, I, I like him, I like his films, but I don't think he's picked a film that really shows whether he can act or not, or whether the only he's two pick-
3: that come to mind is probably Knock Knock, which was Eli Roth's horror movie that he did. It was kind of a suspense thriller. I don't know if either of you have seen that. And then obviously, probably The Devil's Advocate was quite an interesting, yeah. different role for him. Other than that, is right. I'm going to say I've never seen John Wick. I don't know what John Wick's about. Come at me, John Wick uh, fan. John, John Mar- is it an action movie?
2: Yeah, it is. he's a, yeah. he's a hitman, a retired hitman who comes out of oh. retirement. You know, and I've been through that killed- before. Yeah, he kills lots of people.
3: I've never seen John Wick movies. I've like, I don't know. I've just never seen him. I have no well, desire there's to a ju-
2: There's a John Wick 5 coming out, I think. Jason, yeah. I don't know whether you can confirm this or not, but I think that, are they up to three? And I think they're working on four and five.
4: There's it... been at least, three, at least three John Wick films, definitely. Yeah. 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 Do you
3: like John Wick, Jason?
4: It's awesome, actually. You should, you should try it out. You know, it's a very good action film. Yeah. It, maybe I'll dip
3: a toe.
4: For, for what it is, it's very
2: competent. It's very well done, but you know, you you kind of seen one. You kind of seen them all, really, in some way. That's my opinion. But it's worth having a look, like.
3: Either um, way, Jake Gyllenhaal's hot. I think he's a good actor. Brokeback Mountain was iconic. Zodiac is iconic. I Fair love enough. Jake fair, <laughs> Come at fair, me, en-
2: <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. That's that's. No that's... one ever
3: talks about Brokeback Mountain. Like I feel like that movie also never gets talked about. But, but you it know is what?
2: You know what it is, though? At the time, it was considered to be um, risky. Is that the right word? I
3: saw it in the cinema, which makes me sound really old.
2: But you see, what I think the point is with, with uh, Brokeback Mountain is that mm. they thought that Jake Gillingall and Heath Ledger were taking a chance with their careers at the time, yeah. p- playing a role like that. But you see, now, if that film was being made now, nobody would bat an eyelid. It's no. just, in, in the space of 20-odd years, whenever it was made... Uh, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. The early Norse. It
3: would have been the early two thousands. Because yeah, yeah. I, I remember being. I had a car when I went to see it. So <laughs> yeah.
2: So well. Yeah. But you see, so so then it's kind of like the the society has shifted slightly, where we don't see that as as anything any different now. But back then, it kind of was. We
3: don't it, care about gay cowboys anymore. No, that's it. That's right. And <laughs> on that point them.
2: on that point, Jason, shall we move on to your five favourite Jodie Foster movies? Are there any that you've got on your list that we haven't mentioned yet?
4: Okay, I'll I'll go through them from five to number one. Is that okay? Yeah, why not? Go for it. Jason's okay. so much
3: more better organized than I was. I was just like, eh. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> just all right. read the list however I felt like it. That's
4: all right. That's all right. Okay, number five is uh unfortunately the same one flight plan. Yep. Yeah. Yep, that's you know I think it's a pretty good uh, thriller. It's a great, great film, not that film. And I find it a bit similar to Panic Room from my perspective, because the kind of trap, aren't they? Mm. It's, I'm, yeah. She's trapped <clears throat> inside a plane, and she's looking for her daughter, and her daughter's in trouble again. As yeah. She's in Panic Room, but yeah, it's true.
2: Mm-hmm. There are some similarities between the two. That's for sure.
4: Yeah. But I think, but I think it's more interesting. I think the setting is better, and there's there are more actors involved. Yeah, Which makes it better,
2: yeah. I think. Well, probably a bit more variety in Flight Plan as well.
4: Yeah, exactly. Uh,
2: with the Panic Room, it's a bit more more kind of contained in, in specific areas, isn't it? Yeah. And the next one?
4: The next one is a different one, finally. It is oh. uh, The Brave One, 2007 thriller.
2: Oh, right. Okay. Tell us more about that. Why do you like that one, Jason?
4: That one? Well, it's a psychological thriller. She plays... Uh... New York City radio host, uh, and she and her fiancé get attacked by a gang of criminals, and she survives, but her husband doesn't, and she gets a gun and decides to go all vigilante, start, you know, taking oh, care of right. those, the scum of the streets. Right. And kind so, of like, yeah, go ahead. bit like
2: Sorry. a kind of a Death Wish storyline then, isn't it, really, I guess? Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. kind of like that. Yeah. You know, again she plays but- a- Go ahead sorry, Brand go ahead.
2: No what I was going to say was uh, it's a film I've not actually seen to be honest. Have you seen it Rachel? No. I um
3: it was I did I was going through Jodie Foster films on the old internet and I was like I did read the synopsis for it and went oh that one sounds interesting but it just uh, I I ended up watching uh, the accused instead which um seemed me like it was more interesting on paper but mm. I feel like I will give that one a go because I was a bit like oh yeah spicy. Yeah.
2: So, yeah. It's it's certainly I mean it's got a, got a storyline that draws you in that's for
3: sure.
2: Mm. Um, who else is in it? Oh, Terrence Howard, Kevin Andrews, right? Are you okay. googling
3: well, film stats?
2: <laughs> yeah, Mary Steenburgen's in it as well. So it's a, a pretty good good cast. So so you got that at number three then, Jason? Um, have you um, number four, sir? Number four, right? Yeah. Okay. What's what's next then?
4: Well, next uh, we have uh, another similar one again, Taxi Driver.
2: Yeah. Again, it, it's it's a seminal film, isn't it? It's it's one of those films that will stand out, stand the test of time. And it, and it it never stops shocking you, which is what the point I was making earlier on. It's that kind of film, but a classic. And I think we, we should big up Jodie Foster's role a lot more uh, because it, it tends to fall into the background. Because like Rachel said earlier on, that you've got all these catchphrases that travis bickle comes out with you know, like you talking to me you know that's
3: oh yeah that's the line in you the talking mirror.
2: to me you know it's it's that kind of thing that shrouds what what jodie foster did so yeah great film though nevertheless you did that very well brian by the way you're talking to me Did just doing it now. you're
3: talking to me you're talking to me <laughs> talking
2: there's like else in the room, room so you must be talking to me yeah <laughs> I, I know i've been i've been rehearsing secretly yeah it's um I've been of doing like... it
3: all day, ready for the podcast. I know. So but God, it's... I can't wait to segue into that. Oh,
2: yeah, I know. <laughs>
3: done it. You've done it, Brian. You've done it. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. But,
2: but an amazing film, very mm. quotable, as we've just seen.
4: Yeah. Um,
2: but yeah, good stuff. What's next,
4: Jason? For you? Okay, for me, number two is a uh, rather good one. We haven't talked about this. It's The Accused.
3: Oh, Woo! amazing film. Was well, going At, to be on my list, but I just preferred Flight Plan. <laughs>
2: yeah, that was on my list, actually, uh, yes. The Accused. Uh, Jason, tell, tell me what, what makes that such a great film for you. The
4: Accused is a 1988 legal drama, and uh, Jodie Foster plays a waitress. She is gang raped inside a bar, mm-hmm. and she, along with the help of an attorney but played by Kelly McGillis, she set mm-hmm. out she set out to get justice for what happened to her you know, to make sure that the perpetrators are convicted
2: yeah it's an incredible film and it's a film that she also won an oscar for as well quite yeah. rightly
3: it was um, based on a true story wasn't it
2: yeah it was i think it was very loosely based on facts but what i think why i think it's such a significant film for jodie foster is that it was the the film that brought her back as an adult right because i think she kind of struggled to survive growing up as an actress, which often happens to a lot of child actors. Now, she was still making films between Taxi Driver and The Accused. She was still making films, but not films that did justice to her her ability. But here was a film that really brought her back in a big way.
3: Yeah, it's a very similar role, isn't it? Again, it's it's a woman being gaslighted, struggling, you know, sexual assault, all those other kinds of things. And yeah, Yeah. she brought it back. And um, it's a very... uh, it's a good, it's a good movie, yeah. It's really I I'd never seen it up until I watched it recently, and I was just like, eh, love it, go for yeah. it. And again, it's she she plays these roles of the woman, the downtrodden woman who is being gaslit or you know yeah. you know shunned or being told that she's wrong, and um and she she stands up for what she believes in. I feel like Jodie Foster is without. Burning her bra incense, <laughs> a low key representation of, um, especially in the seventies and the eighties of of feminism, what it would have been yeah, then, you know. Uh, yeah,
2: I think I think that's a good point. But if you look mm. at the storyline as well, is that the character she played, Sarah Tobias? Um, she went out, had an ice out, had a few drinks, did some drugs, <gasps> starts <No. laughs> dancing, starts dancing in a bar. But the point is here,
3: yeah, she dance in a bar, yeah,
2: right? But whatever she did, it could never justify what, any man taking you know, advantage you know. of her. Whatever, whatever the circumstances, whether she was doing drugs, whether she's drinking, whether she was dancing suggestively or provocatively, she none of doing that She was the
3: could... Macarena the whole time. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, um, I know. But, but you but
2: see, the thing, thing is that, is that, that could, could never... Ju- that could never justify any man attacking her no, or making a, an assumption. And in some ways, I think the accused was years ahead of its time.
3: Because oh, yeah, definitely. Because
2: it's a precursor for the Me Too movement in some ways, mm. I think. And I think Kelly McGillis was excellent as the DA as well. And uh, here's, here's an important sort of moral point that it's making here, because not only did they go after the, the her assailants, the people that physically attacked her, but they also went after the the men that witnessed the event, but did okay. nothing to stop it. Yeah. Right. Who just encouraged them, and that in their mind they're just as guilty as the men that are actually responsible for the attack. And I think that's great, brilliantly observed and very good storytelling. But also years ahead of its time because you think. So, right, fellas,
3: I, uh, yeah. if a woman does the macarena, it is not an invitation. Yeah. Let's just put that out there.
2: I know. But you know, like I say, a brilliant <laughs> film. But it, it kind of makes a very important moral point there, I think.
3: Yeah, it uh, is a it's a very when I was watching it, I was like, you know, this is this is very ahead of its time, you know, we're touching on subjects that people have only really brought to the forefront, to the light, to the to a media attention in the past, maybe I'd say five to ten years. And so to be yeah. making that movie, when was it, Jason? Nin- what did you say it was? Nineteen
4: eighty eight. Yeah.
3: And that, yeah, that's that's way ahead of its time if you yeah. think about it. Like, if yeah. you think about how much women have been, you know, sexually assaulted and it's been downplayed or we've been blamed for what we were wearing or were we drinking or were we doing, you know, dancing or drugs and stuff like that. So to, to make that movie then, yeah, it was very, mm. very, very, very good. And she plays it so well. Mwah, c'est bon, French chef's kiss. Chef's <laughs> kiss, Jodie Foster. Mwah.
2: But... And she was still very young then at that time. She was only about 25, actually. Yeah, when she, she looks young, yeah. She's still incredibly young. And it just reminds you how long she's been around yeah, as well. <laughs> like so. a
3: dinosaur. Jodie, you've been around forever. <gasps> yeah, <ever>. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you giant lobster. <laughs> <to see. laughs> she's evolving, but her voice isn't.
2: Oh, no, she still sounds about 10, doesn't she? You're right. Yeah,
3: I can't uh, do her voice. If anyone can do a Jodie Foster impression, like there's a certain way of doing it and I can't put my finger on it and it annoys me, but
2: no, hats I'm, off
3: if you can.
2: No, I'm, maybe I'll try that for the, for the next time. I mean, I master Travis Bickle. Yep. Maybe I can do Jodie Foster in time for the next podcast. Iconic. Eh? I want to hear eh? that. <laughs> yeah, all right. I'll see what I can
4: do. Oh, oh my god, about so we a, are I'm on about the about next
3: th- podcast. No, Jason, what were you going to say?
4: Uh, Brian, talk about the screaming lamps, okay, to do the Jodie Foster voice, all right? Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. I'll we'll have to see what see what Lamps that were screaming, okay?
3: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah How does
3: those uh, lamps stop screaming soon, Clarice. That's, oh, that's, my God, I love that's, that.
2: That's song. yeah, that's going to be on my list.
3: Also, we're on the next podcast together, everyone. So, Brian, if you haven't got it down to that, because I'm on the Nicolas Cage one with you. So.
2: Oh, right, yeah. I'm looking forward to that one as well. That should be good fun. Oh, well, that's that's kind of... excuse
3: kind... to watch The Wicker Man. <laughs> With <laughs> Nicolas Cage in it. The,
2: the worst version of The Wicked Man, really. Not the bees. Oh, it was. Yeah, Watch the Edward Woodward version with, no. with Christopher Lee. Go on. I want to watch Nicolas Cage. You know you League. want to. I've
3: seen it. I would rather watch Nicolas Cage punch women because there's not enough bees. That's what I want to watch. <laughs> That's all I care about. Like, I will watch that film so many times as an excuse well, because also... of the podcast.
2: Well, I'd say what well, I'm prepared to sacrifice for my art. I will watch that version oh, in time for, for the Jason, next Jason, you're
3: on this one as well, aren't you? You're on the Nicolas Cage one. Yes. We uh, all yes must watch The Wicker Man.
2: I, I promise. I, I, I've
4: made that commitment. We're in a in cult public. act
3: now. <laughs>
4: yeah, uh, in public. I'm um, touching wood. And, Jason, uh, are you going to watch it? I hope you're referring to the 73 Wicker Man. No, ah,
3: see, the now, Nicolas J- Cage one. Nah,
2: see, see, Jason knows. He knows, don't you, Jason, right? We were obviously talking about quality, weren't we?
3: Oh. But anyway,
2: we'll still watch the Nicolas Cage version.
3: yeah. And we'll give
2: an unbiased, balanced view.
3: Brilliant. We'll just say yeah. it's brilliant. Everyone says it's brilliant. And then we just move well, as on as to the I say the it's podcast. Brilliant. As long
2: as I say it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. He has made other films as well. Don't forget, Rachel.
3: Only the Wicker Man.
2: <laughs> Conair
3: off corner. We got to save it for the next one. I I know, can't, I know, I'm suppressing just... my wicker man excitement. Jason, so, yeah. what's your number 1? I'm just taking over. Yeah.
4: Jason, what's your number 1? Jodie Foster or Nicolas Cage film? It's
3: Jodie Foster. Yeah,
4: so, yeah. <laughs> okay, number 1 is uh you guessed it, The Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. How could, how could it not be? Uh
2: I think what, what's interesting about compiling the, these lists and preparing for this podcast is that uh, Jodie Foster makes consistently good films, mm. but there are certain films that stand out, I think, and yeah. you, you cannot avoid them. And really, uh, now you've both been through your top five. I've only got one further film to add to Yeah, I was going
3: to say, what's the one that you picked? Because I've, I've calculated in my head that you're the same as us on most the yeah. bar uh, one. Virtually, yeah, know.
2: virtually the same. The only one that we haven't mentioned mm. is Bugsy Malone.
3: Oh, my God. Someone told me film. to put that in my list. And I was yeah. like, she was in Bugsy Malone?
2: Yeah. I completely forgot. I love this film. This film, uh, directed by Alan Parker, uh, it was filmed over here. In 1976, it was released. The same wow. year as Taxi Driver. And it's basically a story set in New York in 1929. Two rival gangs, Fat Sam and Dandy Dan, uh, fighting for supremacy. I feel
3: like children like now have terrible names, and we should go back to naming our kids Fat Sam and Dandy Dan.
2: But but I tell you what, it's brilliant. They're all played by kids. They don't have real cars; they have pedal cars.
3: They have like potato guns, don't they? Apparently. Yeah. Well, the the
2: guns they use are are filled with whipped cream. So. It's brilliant. It is brilliant. And Jodie Foster plays Tallulah, who's fat Sam, sassy, uh, wisecracking girlfriend. And she's brilliant in it. And they're all brilliant. They're all great. But interestingly, though, Jodie Foster is the only actor, the only cast member that's gone on through any really significant success in films. That's always the way, I guess. But a brilliant film. And you know when you can sense that the actors involved are loving every second of it? really yeah. enjoying it you sense that and it it seems to matter that much more because if you they're enjoying it you enjoy it even more there's a fantastic a custard pie fight at the end as well
3: it, I just yeah I've never seen this movie everyone oh, always talks about it and like gotta, I know I know about it but like I knew it was kids like basically being play pretend gangsters yeah, yeah I've never I've never watched you've never Batman seen it oh, you got to
2: watch it you got to watch for it for those it's great.
3: names I'll watch it for the names, the names yeah Dandy Dan
2: and is. Fat Sam Jason Sam? have you seen it
4: uh, my uh, Malone. I saw it a yeah. uh, a long, long time ago. It's a musical. It's a... yeah, it's it's yeah,
2: the songs. That, yeah, I forgot to mention that. It's a musical as well. Um, I'm
3: out. I'm not watching a musical.
2: <laughs> there's not that many songs. Don't know that oh, okay. put you off. Okay. There's only a few, but they're quite funny actually. The songs they they play. But mm. I suppose look. Think of it this way. You know that film, The Cotton Club. With, I've heard of it,
3: but I've not seen in it. In
2: fact, with Nicolas Cage. <gasps> Nicolas Cage was in the Cotton Club.
3: You're going to watch, gonna watch it now, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. It's, well, also,
4: it's also musical, in a way, kind of a musical. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah it is. But think of the Cotton Club, like a, a, a massively scaled-down version with kids in, and that's really what Bugs and Malone is. Yeah. And it's it, in some ways, it's in complete contrast to Taxi Driver. But, you know, comparatively speaking, she puts in a stronger performance as Tallulah, in mm. Bugsy Malone, as she does in um, Taxi Driver. It's two very strong performances, but in different ways. And um, it's it's a great film. It's a really, really good, fun film. Um, any other uh, Jodie Foster films that we haven't mentioned that we think the viewers might like to know about?
4: I think another one worth mentioning is a 1994 drama Nell. Oh, Nell, Yeah. Yeah,
2: that, that is again it's one of those films that kind of flies under the radar slightly. Um but this film did very well I think, didn't it? I think yeah, she, she got a, Did she got, get nominated for an for, for an award? Um, yes, she was she was nominated for an Oscar, yes she was. Yeah, she was. Um yeah, it's it's again it's a film that often gets gets buried but very good cast Liam Neeson's in it, Natasha yeah. Richardson.
3: Liam Neeson's sexy. <laughs>
2: Is he is he getting a little bit old to play this action man role? So, Rachel, what do you think?
3: Hmm? Look, Botox can do wonders. Just just let him flex however long he needs to.
2: You know, in things something like Taken, for example, the great—I mean, the great thing is that in in a film like Taken, his character's is called Brian, and I Aww. I like. I like heroes in films called Brian. It kind of. I wonder give, why. It gives it something, doesn't it? I'm going for. I, like, a... I
3: like people in films called Fat Sam. <laughs> <That's>
2: <laughs> You're really taken with that, aren't you? Um, What's the other
3: guy's name? You said Danny. Did it. Dandy Dan. Dandy, Dandy Dan. Dandy Dan. See, my yeah. sister just had a kid, and she gave it. My sister doesn't live listen to the podcast because she's fine. Um, and so <laughs> I'll just yeah, her kid was called Scout, and I'm like, this is where everyone's going with their kids' names. They just name their kids weird, random stuff like. My child's called Rolex. My kid's called <laughs> egg whites or something like weird like that. But I'm like, let's just call our kids Dandy Dan and Fat Sam.
2: Yeah, I know. I want it. it.
3: Kind of works for me.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah so now is now is a very good film. It's one one to to um, watch out for. Great cast. Um, and she plays a small town doctor. A small town doctor, doesn't she? Um, and it just it's a very gently unfolding story.
4: But and now you know yeah no, she, um, she plays a woman who was raised by her mother in an isolated cabin in the yeah. countryside and she was she's discovered later on after yeah. her mother passes away i believe and she knows mm-hmm. she has developed her own language and stuff she, wow. yeah, she's gonna communicate with people it's,
2: it's a very um it's a very clever storyline very original um, i've not seen
3: it but that sounds interesting yeah, so yeah. I think
2: liam neeson plays the doctor
3: mm.
2: that's right yeah yeah yeah, I've se- I've seen it, but a very long time ago. But it's worth seeing again. Um, one other film that I've mentioned by jo- Jody that features Jodie Foster is quite good fun if you take it for what it is. Is Summersby with Richard Gere? Mm. Now that was made in 1994, but it's what I would call a slightly lighter role, and it's a remake of a film called The uh, Return of Martin Gere. And it, Richard Gere plays a, a soldier who returns from the American Civil War, and convinces his wife that it's really him or tries to at least and uh she plays the wife and it's a very kind of affecting run it's kind of what makes it good for me it's it's different from the type of role she plays um so that's well worth having a look at rachel are there any other films we haven't mentioned that you think might be worth the
3: i haven't seen the movie i'm gonna say but i at work yesterday I was talking about that we're doing the podcast today uh, my co-worker she likes to listen to our podcast etc and she was like you have to watch Contact and she was telling uh. me about Contact and I was like that movie sounds really weird but at the straight same time I was like oh I'm gonna give it a watch and I watched a couple of trailers when I got home from work and I was like oh yeah I, d- I didn't have time to watch the movie but it seems really like odd but I would still give it a go. I'll give Contact a go at some time, at some point. Yeah, th- he was raving about it. She was like, "I love yeah, Contact," and I was like, "Okay." Yeah,
2: I suppose really it's um, space. Yeah, it's it's a you got to be into sci-fi. I think for yeah. it to really appreciate it, it yeah. doesn't mean to say you can't like it, but you've got to like sci-fi for it to really get to you. I think you've got to be receptive to it. Um, but yeah, it's a good film. I've only ever seen it once, but I think it. The films that you only see once and never go back to so I think you should revisit them after all, after a time. Yeah, that's... and you
3: can kind of realize how much you either hated it or you loved it. You know what I mean? It, it always goes one of two ways. Like, if I don't watch a movie for ages and I go back to it and I'm like, I'm never in between, I'm always like, that's absolute trash. What was I thinking? Yeah. Or that movie's genius. Why haven't I watched it since? Do you know what I mean? But um, I know. yeah, she's a big sci fi lady. So she was, yeah, she was big on the old contact. So if there's any sci fi homies out there. Yeah. I go think together. what we should,
2: we should also mention the film that Jodie Foster is working on currently. And that's a film called Nyad. and this oh, yeah. is about a marathon sw- swimmer called Di- called Diana. She hasn't got a leading role, but um, this becomes she becomes by Niad becomes the first person to ever to swim from Cuba to Florida, and
3: it sounds like it- that on your like LinkedIn account. <laughs> that's your flex. I was the first person to swim. I know from it's Cuba pretty to difficult Florida. to
2: top, isn't it? Really, you know.
3: It's such a- I didn't know that was I like people swing the English Channel, David Walliams covering himself in Vaseline and splish splashing around. I didn't know well, people swam from Cuba well, to Florida it, with like you see, new.
2: Cuba to Florida, I mean it's full of sharks and How far pro- is that? I, do you know I don't know. A long a way. A million
3: miles. <laughs> a
2: long a long way. And negotiating sort of sharks and crocodiles and god knows what else uh, on the way. Uh, so that that sounds like an interesting film to keep an eye out for when when it's completed, but Again, doesn't have the starring role, but Jodie Foster it's seems to... 110
3: that... miles, everyone. Yeah. Yes, I Googled it just now. It's an 110 miles swim oh. with jellyfish and shark-infested waters, and it will approximately take you 53 hours. What a fun way to spend nearly three days.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, it's well worth having on your CV or your LinkedIn uh, account. She's That's for me. sure. Um, but, um, again, it sounds like a... a it's the type of film that where Jodie Foster hasn't got the starring role necessarily, but she will inevitably steal the film because she often steal does the show because she, she often does. Yeah. But, um, a, a very, very, very good actor and also a capable director as well. Let's not forget, um, because she did direct one big movie called little Man Tate, um, which again is, is a, a very sort of cerebral film, a, a thinking film, uh, about a mother trying to raise a very talented child. Um, so that's hopefully has given the listeners uh, a taster for what they can expect from Jodie Foster. The breadth of the work that she she has. Um, it's impressive, isn't it? It is really impressive, and I don't think she's ever really made a bad film
3: yeah and again as we were saying earlier she's a she's a lady who's who's been taken seriously in hollywood she's not compromised her career with any kind of like um external factors and um she's always picking those roles that you know as i said she's i feel like she's very much for you know women's women's rights and and things like that and standing up for Mm. for things that do affect women but she's doing it in a um, classy and tasteful way is the best Mm. way to also describe her approach to these topics so well done Jodie Foster yeah
4: Jason
2: any final thoughts before
4: we close well she's had a fantastic career she's done some great films she shows the world that she is a outstanding actress and I cannot wait to see what she's going to do in the future.
2: Yeah. Um, I'd have to echo echo that. I think she's an amazing actor. Um, She picks the right films. I don't think she's ever made a bad film. And that's a sign of a very good actor, very perceptive, very intelligent, knows what would work for her. And also makes sure that she makes a point, that her characters do have a point, and they get that point across every single time, and they're very strong, and they're meaningful Mm. characters. So... Hats off to uh, Jodie Foster.
3: We say this now and then she turns up in like the next Marvel movie or something and just sells out. (laughs) I know,
2: but I was just going to say that's something she's always managed to avoid, something like that. But I suppose in some ways you might not blame her, right? But she's always steered away from that. But yeah, there's always that chance that she's going to turn up in a well, movie film. It's, it. it's
3: funny that we say that because I thought that about Jake Gillinghall because there was years of Jake Gyllenhaal doing like really quality movies. And that actor as well, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he came up doing very quality indie gritty movies as well. And we are all like, yay, well done to them. And then for just some reason, like Jake Gillinghall's doing like, these hammy movies now and Joseph Gordon-Levitt's doing like, he did rom-coms, didn't he? And stuff like that. Yeah. So Jodie Foster has had a very long career where she's not, Sold out for the paycheck. She probably gets a big paycheck anyway because she is very established. She's an Oscar winner, but um, yeah, she's never done the the classic yeah. cash grab movie. So yeah, you know, that, and that's what
2: impresses me about her the yeah. most is that she doesn't fall for that at all. She's not mm. part of the Hollywood system in that way because she's not. She, she's just sort of said, right, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pick the films that mean something to me and characters yeah. that I can do something with. So you have to admire her, Inspector, and she's still relatively young you know she how old is she
3: she 59
2: 59 there you go thank you jason yeah a a mere child so she's still got a lot to do and we we can only look forward to what she does next so that is where we have to draw a line under it rachel jason thank you for being my guests thank you for being my co-partners in crime it's been brilliant as usual
3: We should call all ourselves co-pilots because we talked about flight plans so much. Okay,
2: fair enough. co pilot sounds good. Yeah, sounds excellent. And and thank you for listening. Please join us again. In the meantime...
3: When we talk about the Wicker Man. When we talk about the Wicker
2: Man. Until then... (laughs) We're
3: going to talk about... There's no other podcast. We're just talking about the Wicker Man.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Until then, take care of yourself and keep safe. Bye for now. Bye, Bye. Bye.